It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, you can download the iHeartRadio app and take us with you anywhere you go. It's also a pleasure to welcome those listeners on other radio stations that now carry Moment of Truth. And, uh, of course, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform and or on our SoundCloud, we welcome you all, and it is a pleasure to have you here with us. My guest on this portion of the show is Ryan Singh. He is a Guyanese-born actor, as well as director and producer. He emigrated to Canada in 1993. I'm going to be talking to him a little bit about a new project that he's got on the go. Uh, something sounds very interesting. I like to get the backstory about this because apparently he had a, it was a family affair that he worked on for this short film called Henry. And it's, uh, it's on tour right now. You can see it at a number of festivals that are going on. And we'll talk a little bit about that with Ryan as well. But Ryan is an award-winning Guyanese-Canadian filmmaker, as I pointed out off the top. And this short film of his called Henry is a science fiction short film. And it continues on its success uh, through Canadian film run uh, with screenings in the inaugural Hamilton Black Film Festival and the Calgary Black Film Festival as well. So it's a pleasure to have uh, Ryan with us on the show. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you, and I plead the fifth. (laughs) <laughs> okay does that mean it's going to be a short interview <laughs> moment of truth right <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right well uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on on the show and talk about uh, your film henry because i understand you got your your twins involved six-year-old twins yeah. is that right yeah they were six when we started working on it uh in fact, it was, it preceded the pandemic. We shot it in in August of two thousand and seven, of nineteen, two thousand and nineteen. Oh, okay. And uh, the, the only way that the pandemic came about and impacted it is we had a lot of time. And as indie projects go, sometimes it takes a long time to gather a, a lot of people when you're asking favors. So because we had the time to really work on it, we spent uh, a number of months uh, from. March, once we were under the lockdown, and we continued on until we were completed and had our first inaugural uh, festival in February of this year Hmm. at the Toronto Black Film Festival. And so it's been just going steadily since then. And uh, every night I'm getting messages that I'm booked in another festival or (laughs) we're winning some more awards. We've now got two awards on it. And um, and several festivals either either booked or pending. Mm. Essentially, this story is about a a family who lost their father and and dealing with the grief. Mm. Instead of turning turning to the mom or or other humans uh, to ask questions, the kids have turned to their devices. And, you know, we're all accustomed to now the smart devices in our homes, Alexa, Google, talk for our case it's henry and so the children are interacting with henry and and just trying to learn about uh, death and grief and and life and i think it's the future of where kids are going they're much more uh internet savvy and much more uh out there in terms of online interactivity playing games that sort of thing and so 
You know, we sell, we see these themes often in Black Mirror and or AI mm. by Steven Spielberg. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not a new theme by any measure. But the way I approached it is, I wanted to empower my kids. Uh, you know, I started writing the story, and then I'm like, I have two voices here. Why not incorporate their voices right now? There's nothing like the present, and so I consulted with them, and they were able to give me feedback. In fact, my daughter was was uh, negotiating her own uh, character name mm. and wouldn't budge unless she got her character name. So I had to cave in and and and, and give her the the character name she wanted. Which is ironic because the character name she chose was Sophie. And right now there's an AI being interviewed by many uh, interviewers called Sophia. You can find it online on YouTube. <laughs> and so just, just you know, th- there's that sort of synergy that happens with projects often. Mm, yeah. And what occurred with ours. What I thought was interesting about that was, in part, the story develops because of you watching your own children around introducing uh, Alexa into the home and and Google and how the, the and how the kids reacted uh, to that to that smart um, uh, software in the home and and that's what you started to see about them asking questions, but they they. They, as you, as like kids are, they take to things very quickly, and they just don't have any precognition about or, or you know, what it can or can't do, and they just start asking questions, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's wherever they they're curious beings, mm-hmm. and if they can get answers from something that is readily there, they ask. And right. so I saw them fighting with with uh, Alexa and Google that we ended up getting. And it was like so interesting that dynamic, and yeah, the more I explore the the topic and the theme, I see that more and more families are experiencing this. It just happened that our family happened to be a black family because mm. uh, I had another actor, Andrea Grant Els, who is a colleague of mine. I have been working with her for a number of years, and this was our first time uh, having an opportunity to act together and. I didn't only wanted to act with her. She's mainly an actor and, and she wanted to create new content. And I, I, I sort of uh, was mentoring her through that creation opportunity, because as you know, if we're not writing our own uh, projects, mm-hmm. we can't see ourselves in the way we want to be seen. We can only be cast in the way someone else wants us to be seen. It has an uh, 100% cast that is uh, of black and BIPOC. Then you have about 80% of people behind the scenes that are working on this film as well, also making up that BIPOC uh, population, which is fabulous. Do, do you think the dynamics changed because of that? Um, no, no. Um, my director uh, is Eastern European, but uh, an immigrant, Katarzyna mm. Kochani. Mm. And um, a number of her connections were non-black as well. But, you know, just the network that I had, um, I saw an opportunity and some of them that Katizina brought in. We saw the opportunity that, you know, we shared a project and we said, we're interested in working with you. And and when people read the script, I had this one uh, uh, visual effects artist, uh, Adrian Bob. And he's such an excellent artist. And 
when he read the script, I was just asking him for a referral and he just said, look, I'll do it myself. I want to do it. <laughs> you know, and that was the experience we had uh, Colin Walcott, who came on board and, and did the initial drawings for us and for the visual effects. He himself works in a, a lot of major projects, uh, Star Trek and mm. Star Wars and, you know, high, high fidelity projects that he can't necessarily take and put on his demo reel mm. because they're so confidential, sure. the IPs. Right. And so he was like, yeah, I, I definitely want to participate in this because it'll give me an opportunity to exercise my skill set, but also have something that I can show the public. And so, you know, it, it's a small project. Sure. But the, the talent that we had on it was made made up, I would say, in excess of over a hundred thousand dollars worth of <laughs> of talent that was contributed yeah. through the volunteers that we've had working on this project. That's and great. Many of them, BIPOC, had an opportunity to get their first credit in a major film mm. or or a composer. This was his first project on mm. uh, film project, and he. In, uh, compose an incredible soundtrack for it and you know it just moved the story so well right working with the director uh aaron manswell uh, you mentioned a number of uh of other f- uh, shows and things there and i and i see uh, that uh one of the credits you have also on your list is the expanse for uh, season five um yeah i was in the expanse season five uh I, in fact i was just doing a, a course an editing course uh, put on by the BIPOC TV and film, mm. uh, an organization that is an advocacy organization, but now is transitioning from being BIPOC um, advocacy to empowerment. And so they're creating uh, learning opportunities for BIPOC individuals to go out and learn and uh, learn new skills and, and apply them because oftentimes when we are being hired, we're people are saying that we don't have enough experience and by right mm-hmm. we don't have enough exposure and opportunity to mm-hmm. work in the industry and get the experience earlier on and mm-hmm. now that opportunity is becoming available mm-hmm. and so with that we are able to increase our opportunities increase our skill set and the editor happened to have worked on the episode that i worked on mm-hmm. I also worked on the final season of uh, Kim's Convenience as well, oh, yeah. which was a great opportunity. Mm. The the kids, the twins that are in the film, are they, in fact, your twins? They're your kids? They are my children. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are my children. They've been working on a lot of projects uh, since they were born. Since before they were born, I made a <laughs> documentary of them. And um, you, you see, the challenge that we have, again, coming back to the idea of BIPOC and in inclusivity is that we're often told we can't we can't find people to cast in these projects Mm -hmm. and so i just didn't want my kids to grow up not seeing themselves on television and i look at them and look at how how much they they bloom when they're connected to to seeing projects that involve people of color and they're just like you know oh daddy there's you there's me (laughs) there's mommy you know and (laughs) I wanted to empower them. And so now they, they, since doing this project, they've got a voice and, and they, they see the power of their voice and the ability to, to impact others. Mm. We were able to share the project with some, some kids from North Etobicoke, mm. uh, which is uh, an at-risk neighborhood or, or, or low-income neighborhood. Mm. And 
the, the, the responses from these kids seeing themselves represented through our children mm. was in, incredible, mm. incredible. That is great, and, and that's wonderful to hear. I, I want to talk about you and the kids a little bit more, but one thing you said there stood out to me, and you said, we can't find people to play these roles. Who, who are, who's saying that? Who, who is saying that? Those are the excuses that the people that are in, in the creative power or the financial uh, available projects mm. say. Um, I've been acting for over 20 years, mm. and you know my resume doesn't reflect my experience right. because I have to create a lot of my own projects right. just so that I can be seen. Yep. Um, that is changing now. But, you know, the producers would, even now, you, you still hear uh, individuals saying, we already have one like you inside of uh, our project. We can't have a second person or people will be confused. Yet you will see a blonde and a redhead in a project and, and people don't get confused. Right. It's just storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, the last couple of years, almost a couple of years now, have been very uh very unusual, of course. We've had the pandemic, but then, of course, within the pandemic, we had the, the, the horrible tragedies that continued, of course, George Floyd. Are you seeing change now around uh, some of the things that, that came forward out of that, that tragedy of, of George Floyd and others? It's, it's really unfortunate, and indelibly, it certainly impacted me and my family directly because... Mm-hmm. It's not a situation unlike something that we haven't experienced. Mm. My wife grew up in Malvern, mm. and anytime I'm driving, she she would often say, "There's a police. Slow down, mm. or or do something right, or don't don't draw attention to yourself." Mm. That's indelible in our our spirits. Right. Uh, right. I've been pulled over. I've had guns drawn on me. And I like to think I'm a good citizen, right? But I'm known to police, you know, as a result of these incidents. Uh, on more than one occasion, I live in the York Mills Leslie neighborhood, which is a very affluent neighborhood. Mm. I remember a number of years ago, running from my apartment building down to um, work across the street, uh, just maybe half half a kilometer away, and the cops pull, trying to pull me over. And I kept running because I was late for work. Mm. And then I go punched in the clock and came back out to talk to them. And, and, and you know, but wow. the circumstance, if it was a different situation, I could have almost be, uh, it could have been a worse situation for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so that has impacted, but out of it is an awakening. And that awakening has created a lot more opportunities, uh, made people become either guilty or conscious Mm. of the shortcomings of inclusivity Mm. and has opened doors for us. And as a result, I'm, I'm, I'm taking as much opportunities as possible to try and get into these doors, but not only get in, to keep my foot inside the door and pull others in behind mm-hmm. me because right. I can't just be successful and not have a team of people that I can look around and say, hey, I need you on my team, but now you're also trained. 
You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. You can also be listening on the iHeartRadio app. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Ryan Singh. We are speaking with him about, we started talking about this short film that he has out. It's in the circuit. We're going to talk a little bit more about where you might be able to see that. It's called Henry, and it is uh, going to be shown. It's going to have a U.S. premiere at the New York City Independent Film Festival. That's in June. I'm not sure of the date. Uh, Ryan, do you know the date of that? June 7th to 13th. Okay. June seventh to thirteenth at the New York Independent Film Festival, um, May twenty sixth to the thirtieth at Calgary Film Festival, right. uh, May twenty eighth to the thirtieth at the Hamilton Black Film Festival, yeah. Calgary Black Film Festival. Um, yeah, that's what we have right now. Right, and scheduled. That, that that's great. And it also, I understand, just recently won a Platinum Award at the Director's Screen Awards in Indonesia. <laughs> I've been so busy working that uh, it took me a month to realize what award it was that we won. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's 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 just been so busy that mm. I'm not paying attention to all the opportunities that are coming along, um, <laughs> all the awards and recognitions. Um, mm. Again, I'm about making the story, making stories, and making stories happen, and taking advantage of the opportunities and an award and recognition like that is I'm very grateful for it. Um, mm. I also won a, a, my director won that award mm. uh, for Henry mm. and I won one for uh, Momento, a film that I've been working on for seven years, a documentary film going to South Africa and Africa proper for the first time, along with uh, a spoken word artist, Dwayne Morgan and a dancer, April Mullins and a number of other people including a 79-year-old Dan, uh, Remy Virapan, who lived mm. through the apartheid, experienced mm. the, the discrimination there, and wanted to share the uh, uh, South Africa that she had imagined as a child mm. and wanted uh, as a child and now can, can see and experience and wanted us to experience it as well. I'm glad you mentioned Memento because I was going to bring that up and I was hoping we could talk about uh, that a little bit as well. Um, also, uh, uh, one best Canadian uh, documentary at the Toronto International Nor- Nor- Nollywood Nollywood. Film Festival. Nollywood Film Festival. Yeah. Yes, Nollywood. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank uh, you. It's been a journey. It's been an experience. Um, Remy is now 86 and... Uh, and she, she was like, we were speaking on the weekend and she was like, I didn't believe that you were going to finish this project <laughs> because oftentimes people say they're going to complete things and they never do. Mm. And I was just happy to complete it so that she can see the story that I wanted to tell. And I have been able to complete and, and show it to her. Mm. Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, congratulations once again. I want to come back to Henry because I don't think we're finished with this film yet because there's a couple of things. One, you mentioned the talent that you brought in that were that came forward that wanted to get involved with this. And from the very start of the film, and I'm not sure if this will make sense, uh, but when it, when it started, uh, when the film started, uh, and now I, I look at it from, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a short film, it's about seven minutes long or so. But the quality of the film and, and the work that we see in here uh, felt like a much bigger production. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> hey, 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, we had over 30 people involved in this project altogether. Mm. Um, half of them were women or people of color in a key position. Mm. But we wanted to make sure that because both Katazina, who is now a director, Guild of Canada director, mm. and myself, who is moving to my next level of career development, mm. we didn't want when people see this project that they're seeing a student-like film right. or a no-budget looking film. Right. This is a project that in, it, in its uh, development has over $100,000 of investment in it. Mm. Um, from the people who contributed of their time and mm-hmm. talents. Yep. And so we wanted to make sure that we uh, made it as polished as possible. And, and that's what I wanted to really get at. I wasn't expecting a low-budget film or anything like that. I just thought, wow, this this looks like really good, if that makes any sense. This is, yeah. you know, um, not that I wasn't expecting it to, to be good or look good. I'm just saying this was like really good. Really good. So uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) So we appreciate that. Yeah. So now the other thing I I thought was interesting, I saw a comment about, um, and I think it might have been the director that was talking about the film and uh, and, and the kids, because you took the. even in post-production, the kids were allowed to watch the the dailies and and uh, and and get through that process. And and I understand that that was a good move because the kids picked up on things that everybody had missed because just from sitting there watching this stuff so long, uh, that that they picked up on a couple of things that that with fresh eyes, right? Yeah, it's easy to say. How does how how do you make a a child a producer on a project <laughs> and Maybe it's a vanity credit, but mm. I didn't want to make give my children a vanity credit. I wanted them to learn and understand mm. because they are they are experts. They've spent eight years plus watching television. Mm. They're experts of content. Mm. They understand content, mm. and even taking our cell phones and, and so on, and they're using it to create TikTok content. Mm-hmm. So. They're very advanced um, as children, and, and I'm not just talking my children, but any children sure. when it comes to technology. Right. And so when they're watching content, they know what they feel, what, what works, what feels right. Mm. And so they were able to certainly give us notes uh, on some of the edits, and we were able to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, we have to implement those notes and even coming down to the cutting of the trailer, mm. you know, when we, when, when my editor cut it at one point, they're like, dude, that don't make sense. That sounds like a whole different story. <laughs> and That's they great. Speak like that. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. They'll say it as it is. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, there's a couple of things in there that you mentioned. Um, of course, we're not talking, we're not going to give away the ending because, of course, the ending is a little bit of a twist there. Uh, so people need to go and, and watch this. Um, but you mentioned kids and the content they're making with things like TikTok. And I'm just wondering, what, what, is, your, what is your sense of, from seeing your kids and, and having them been around and working in the industry with you, how do you think that they are going to approach projects in the future because TikTok of course is is one of the things you know our it appears at least from everything we're doing now 
online uh, around social media is very quick, down to a minute, 30 seconds, whatever it might be, right? How do you think that might affect the way we start to do projects in the future? Do you, do you think it will affect it? I think it, it, it will affect it. It will evolve. Mm. If, you, if you can't adapt, right. you will die. Right. You become extinct. Mm. And so what we're experiencing right now is evolution. Mm-hmm. And even Henry, coming back to Henry, yeah. um, not coming away from your question, um, I saw the opportunity just like Knight Rider was in, mm. in the early 80s. Right. Um, when it was implemented, it was the cusp of, of computer and computer technology and where it, they envision it going. Mm-hmm. I see Henry being a project like this and exploring the next uh part of industry and on, on the, the, the commerce of internet and internet technology as it becomes invasive in our lives and our uh, bodies as well. As you were saying that, do you know what flashed into my head was, was the idea of a human sitting down, let's say it's a, uh, an editor or whoever it might be, or, or, or the director, um, working with uh, an AI software program that is either and or the director or the editor itself. And it's a, it's in a symbiotic sort of relationship that is now putting films together. Well, that's the next, Mm. that is the next, Mm. that is already in play, Mm. right? When we think of uh, Amazon and where it's come to, Mm. right? The whole idea that we can be on Instagram and uh, we, and softwares are scanning all of our click strokes and sure. sending us the suggestions based on these pattern click strokes. Yep. Our lives are digitized, right? Right. Our 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 responses and and feelings and emotions are digitized to such an extent that we can have suggestions and we'll purchase right away because we're that patterned. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan, what about the future for yourself? What do you, what do you uh, got coming down the pipe or what do you got planned? Well, I'm developing Henry as a TV series. I'm oh, going to be um, proposing that at an upcoming Banff Film Festival mm. or, or Banff uh, Film Market. Not okay. Film Festival, but yep. Film Market. Um, I'm also, I, I've received funding from Telefilm Canada to produce two Oh, I just lost you. Um, or to develop tools on that. Sorry, Ryan, I'm losing you. Sorry. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Yep, there oh, you are. Yep. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm you- working on with a 19-year-old on that project. And uh, yeah. Uh, can you just go back to finish up about what you were saying about Banff? That was where I lost I'm you. I'm Banff. Um, and I'm going to be proposing a number of... Uh, of television series that I have in development and speaking with producers to see whether I can bring Henry to board uh, into production as a television series, as well as other projects I have in development. I'm also going to be uh, writing and developing for uh, a project that was funded by Telefilm Canada and a second one that I'm working with a 19 year old who I've whose project I've optioned and in development as well, and we're just um, creating content. 
All right. Well, Ryan, again, thank you so much. Uh, congratulations to you and uh, and your kids on this, this great, uh, wonderful short film that you've pulled together called Henry. I encourage people to go and check that out. As uh, Ryan was saying, you can catch it at the uh, Hamilton Black Film Festival and or the Calgary Black Film Festival uh, in late May. It's coming up in June at uh, New York City at the Independent Film Festival as well. So, uh, Ryan, thanks again and uh, take care and all the best in the future. I hope to uh, speak with you again. And thank you so much for this time. And that is the voice of Ryan Singh. He is uh, an award-winning Guyanese-Canadian filmmaker and actor, and we were speaking to him about his short film, Henry. That is this portion of the show. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right here on Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 Toronto, 95.7 Ottawa. And of course, you can take us with you anywhere you go if you download the iHeartRadio app. And welcome to those listeners on other radio stations that now carry Moment of Truth as well. And those people listening on your favorite podcast platform and or our SoundCloud. It's also a pleasure to welcome to the show. We have with us... Linda Luarassi, and she's the festival coordinator for the 6th Annual Real Abilities Film Festival. And also joining us is Ophira Kaloff, and she is the comedy coordinator for the 6th Annual Real Abilities Film Festival. And ladies, did I get your names correct at least? I hope we got that off to a good start. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was all good. <laughs> yeah, woohoo! All right. <laughs> Shoo, I got that one out of the way. I just hope I won't mess them up later on in the show. But anyway, it's a pleasure to have you both with us. And as I said, Linda Lurassi, she is a former uh, Real Abilities Film Festival juror who is thrilled to be on the team this year as the festival coordinator. And she's a graduate of the Cinema Studies at the University of Toronto with a keen interest in the representation of disability and body uh, deviance in film and media. She is always eager to help the festival advance advance meaningful conversations around disability and inclusion in the arts. And Ophira, as I mentioned, is the comedy coordinator. She is a disabled writer, performer, and producer with credits, including the award-winning Generally Hospital, All Access Sketch, and The Call. She was featured in the Second City 2018 Toronto Disability Fellowship Showcase. She is the 2018 recipient of the Tim Sims Encouragement Award. And additionally, Ophira is, works as a patient advocate and accessibility consultant across Toronto. She is excited to be joining the Real Abilities team. Not only that, but she, is, she also has a film in the closing night gala of the show. It is Hashtag Hospital Chick and also... She will be hosting the comedy night as well. So uh, uh, it's a pleasure to have both Linda and Ophira with us on the show. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. So the sixth annual Real Abilities Film Festival, and it it runs from May 18th until the 30th. And uh, of course, people can find out more by going to the Real Abilities website, which is realabilities.org, to find out more, I guess, and find uh, get hold of uh, tickets and find out about the whole lineup there. Correct? Yes. So it's it runs until the 31st, actually, and uh, it's realabilities.org/toronto, just because Mm -hmm. uh, we're the we're the Toronto chapter of the festival. So okay, great. Can you tell us something about the this this year's lineup and what's going to be going on? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're really excited to have uh, to have this really great uh, lineup of films this year. We we have um, films from all around the world, and uh, in particular, we we have some really interesting conversations paired with the films. We have a Canadian feature documentary called uh, "The World Is Bright" by director Yang Wang, uh, which is a really interesting, um, fascinating, and, and um, thrilling take on on the. Uh, immigration system and uh, how that intersects with mental health. It's it's a really touching story about a, a couple uh, from China, an elderly mm. couple who finds out that their son is dead and uh, sets out to investigate the circumstances of his death. Um, and we're hoping to follow that with a really interesting conversation about um, you know what it means for newcomers and um, immigrants to s- sort of deal with um, the, the bureaucracy, the system here, um, when they're also dealing with mental health issues. Mm. So we that's just one example of, of the program right. we have and the really um, interesting conversations that that are paired with with the films that we're show- showing. And, and, and so that's, I think you've got 15 films you're showing. And if I'm not mistaken, for each film that you are showing, like the one you just mentioned, The World is Bright, uh, you will have this uh, post-screening panel set up so that there will be Q&As. Is that right? Yes, that's right. There's uh, always a, a panel discussion or, or a filmmaker Q&A that is paired with with the film programs. Yeah, that's great. And, and you're, you know, that sounds like a very interesting film uh not a light topic by any means but one that is very very much uh sounds fascinating for people to see watch and then be able to uh participate in a conversation around afterwards absolutely that that's the that's the intention is to to be able to uh bring these conversations to the greater community and and to partake in them together Mm. Now, Linda, as, as the, um, the the festival coordinator, and, and as you mentioned, this is the this is the sixth annual. But you said this is the Toronto chapter. So, can you tell us a little bit more about the overall scope and and where this where the other chapters are located and and how this all got started? Uh, sure, I can try to do that a little bit. So, um, <laughs> Real Abilities began in, in New York City, and that's sort of the main chapter of the festival. Mm-hmm. There are uh, many other um, American cities in which uh, Real Abilities also takes place. We are the first international chapter, and mm. uh, there is one other international chapter in Mexico City. Mm. And so, we we really just sort of collaborate in, in putting together our programming, in connecting with filmmakers, and um, yeah, so we, um, on our end, we sort of just, uh, we coordinate our, our own festival, but there's a lot of, of collaboration um, and support uh, with the other festivals as well. Mm. Okay, great. Ophira, I, you know, as, as someone who is a disabled writer, performer, or producer, you've got credits in other areas as well. Have you been following this Real Abilities Film Festival since it started, or how long have you been aware of it? I think I became aware of it in... I'm pretty sure it was 2016 or 2017. Okay. Um, I I used to Google just disability arts in Toronto. Mm. Um, I moved here at around that same time and was just trying to figure out what was what was going on in the city, what kind of opportunities mm. um, I had just to be an audience member mm. um, and potentially to be an artist and engage in other ways. Right. Um, so I kind of. I kind of stalked the festival from afar, <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest, and really, really dreamed and like schemes of a way to uh, to just try to meet all of the people involved with it. 
Um, and little did I know that one of my friends at the time actually was involved with it uh. and was like, hey, come to some <laughs> events. It's not that scary. Um, and that was kind of the start of um, of my relationship with the festival, both as, as an audience member and artist and uh, now, now chipping away at some of the coordination side of things. Right. And so from your perspective, as you've seen it and got involved, you say about 2016 or so, how has it evolved or changed since, from your perspective in that time? Well, I think it's, it is most definitely grown. Mm. Um, it's grown, it's grown in scope. It's grown in audience. I think, for me personally, and I don't think my experience is unique. Um, the first year I went, I kind of went with the idea that the the sole idea of me going was around being an audience member and getting to see these films. Mm. And what I quickly realized, especially as the years went on, is that a, a whole community is really built around this festival. You start to run into the same people every year and chat after events. Um, one really cool thing about the festival is I think that some of the programs that uh, that Linda was mentioning, uh, the panels and and discussions have just gotten just really both in the realm of community building and just the content that's being explored is uh, has just really expanded and diversified and been really exciting to to see and mm. feel like part of that evolving discussion and community. Mm. Wow, that that sounds really interesting. Now you said you moved from to Toronto. Where did you move from? Um, I kind of <laughs> from Ottawa okay. before that Vancouver before okay. that Ottawa again. <laughs> I was a little bit floaty before I before I settled here. Oh, all great cities though. Ottawa, Ottawa, and Vancouver, great. Both both great cities. Yes, I do agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've got ties there as well then from the time you spent in those cities as well. Yes. Yeah, well, and that's something really cool about the festival online this year um, is that, well, in last year, it, it feels like some of those ties and some of those uh, communities can can just be a lot more present at the festival um, with everything being virtual. Mm. We're really able to connect with people who aren't necessarily in the GTA. Mm, right. Speaking of not in the GTA, Linda, uh, as a former juror for for the uh, the Real uh, uh, Abilities Film Festival, how often are the films that are chosen um, sort of in the circuit that travel around to the other Real Abilities film film uh, festival areas as well, chapters? Um, it's it's quite common for, for that to happen. Uh, and depending on when uh, each festival is scheduled, um, they'll make their rounds. But I think, uh, you know, our, our opening night film, for example, Give Me Liberty, it made a lot of rounds in, in the States and it was a, a really well-received film, but it didn't really make... Um, Make, make its rounds here in Canada. So we, mm. we were really excited to, to give it a platform here. We, we think it's a really wonderful film. So um, it, it can be, it's wonderful to, to have these films really just uh, be spotlighted everywhere and to mm. have these filmmakers, a lot of whom are, are you know, new and emerging, mm-hmm. um, be exposed to, um, to the community and, and to have their work shown and uh, discussed about. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a really wonderful thing. When each of you think about the the, the Real Abilities Film Festival over time um, and the kind of, of uh, projects that are coming forward, 
Do you see that this gives people an opportunity to expand not only their abilities and what they're doing and to showcase their things, but to reach outside of of the Real Abilities Film Festival? Does it get light shone on these people and their projects to the greater society? Um, well, I can I can speak a little bit to to just my my personal experiences. Sure. Um, for me, that answer is yes. Um, and for, for a lot of people, I can speak a bit more to the, the comedy night, um, but a lot of the performers at the comedy night have directly got received other work specifically through this show. Um, and more than that, have also made connections through this show and started troops of their own. We have a troop mm. performing this year that originally met at the show last year and started working together. And now they're performing on a broader basis um, so I do, I do think that it's, you know, it's starting and, and we're, we're making our way there. I also know that I was inspired to make a film because of the Real Abilities Festival. I made it with the festival deadline in mind. And then that film, uh, has also aired at, at a separate, uh, comedy festival. So it certainly also provided the, the framework, at least for me personally, to, get my act together, uh, get some content out there, and then move beyond the festival as well. The other thing that I notice about the festival is not only do you have uh, the films, and you've mentioned this comedy night, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? You're going to be hosting the comedy evening, correct? I will be, yes. Um, the comedy the comedy night feels like a little bit it's a bit of my baby um, <laughs> for the past couple of years. It existed nice. before I came into the picture, right. um, but I've been coordinating it uh, for the past. This will be the, the third show that, that I'm personally coordinating. And when I first came into the picture, um, I think it was a really big value of the festival to create a night a comedy night, a space that was just filled with laughter and joy and lightheartedness and showcasing um, comedy is often forgotten about a little bit um, mm. in, in film spaces and theater spaces. And so I think it was a value of the festival to, um, to really just create a, a night for it. Um, and when I came into the picture, I remember thinking like, oh, okay, you know, in past years, there were maybe three or four acts. Um, so we're, we're operating with a small pool here. Mm. Um, this year, I think we have 14 acts. Wow. Um, and that was hard. Um, <laughs> that was hard to whittle it down. Oh, really? Because yeah. there's just so much talent. Um, there's so many both emerging and established comedians, disabled comedians um, across I mean, this year I made a rule that we were just going to feature Canadian talent because uh, there's just so many people. I figured we had to, we had to focus uh, in some direction or other. Um, and it's across different genres. There's someone who's showing some TikToks, there's sketch comedy, there's stand-up, there's mm -hmm. music, there's improv, um, videos, live acts. Mm -hmm. It's really super eclectic and just very fun. I, I think that's that's how I'd categorize it. It's just a really fun night. And that will be May 27th. Yes. Right. Yes, it will. And people can find out more by going to the website once again. And that, that is realabilities.org slash Toronto. Correct, Linda? 
Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I want to talk a little bit more about the axe. You said you had a hard time whittling it down, and I'm wondering, I'm going to throw this out to both of you, but we'll start with uh, Ophira in terms of the trying to whittle this down. Um, so from a, from a comedy perspective and in terms of the axe that you're getting, because it's online, you, you have had more people applying because it is, you know, it's opened up in that way, right? Almost anybody in any, anywhere can, can sort of participate. For sure. I mean, speaking from from sort of the comedy night perspective, um, it's been both it's both opens up opportunities as well as kind of changed things a little bit. Um, for someone like me, the online world is actually just so much more accessible. Mm. Um, I use a wheelchair. A lot of buildings um, and transportation aren't mm. accessible. And so physically getting places if it's not in my immediate neighborhood um, can be a bit of a challenge. Mm. And that's the case for for a lot of disabled folks. But for other people, the internet and Zoom is a little bit less accessible, Mm. especially for comedy. Um, Last year, we moved the show online and a lot of people who were interested in being part of the show were just so nervous Mm. about delivering a set (laughs) in a way that they couldn't hear the laughter. You know, it felt like performing into a vacuum. and that's something that's that's been a challenge throughout the community. So I would say, you know, it's both brought more people to the table as well as uh, provided sort of challenges to shift things. So this year with the comedy night, kind of in response to that and taking advantage of the online platform, we're doing a mixture um, and featuring some bite-sized comedy little pieces, being able to feature more people in the show um, and drop in a piece that's like a minute or a minute and a half um, and give someone a chance to really film something, craft it or prepare their piece in advance, showcase uh, something they feel really comfortable with and be part of the show. Whereas if we were doing it live, you know, to schlep all the way to a theater, that mm-hmm. wouldn't that wouldn't necessarily be possible to, to feature as many people. So we're playing around with music and transitions and the chat function and just different ways to to create the feeling of um, of being together in a space and laughing together. Nice. Okay. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, anywhere across the country. And actually, you can take us with you anywhere you go if you download the iHeartRadio app. And also, if you're listening on another radio station that carries Moment of Truth, we welcome you. I am talking with Linda Lewarowski, as well as Ophira Kaloff, and uh, they are part of the 6th Annual Real Abilities Film Festival, which is happening from May 18th to the 31st. You can find out more about that by going online to the realabilities.org slash Toronto website and find out more about the lineup find out more about the films, find out more about the comedy night, find out more about everything that is going on with the Real Abilities Film Festival. And uh, Linda is the festival coordinator and Afira is the comedy coordinator. It's a pleasure to have them both on the show talking about this. We were just talking about, of course, as most events have gone online. So Linda, I wanted to ask you about this. 
uh, how it has changed from your perspective in terms of taking it online, which you, I hear you had to do last year as well as this year now. Have you found this year to be easier? Have you found it that things are, are flowing a little differently? And also, you know, after speaking with people on, with other events that have had to go online, uh, they've noticed a change in terms of actually an increase, in, I guess, in people that are participating because being virtual, absolutely anybody anywhere could, can sort of jump in and, and participate, grab tickets and watch things and, and just get involved, which whereas if it's a live event and it's in a specific area, uh, up to now at least, it has been uh, for those people uh, by and large in, in the room themselves. Certainly, it's um, there are a lot of um, opportunities that are opened up with moving the festival virtually. Uh, certainly, there are challenges as well. Um, I think this being the second year, the team has learned a lot about how to uh, mount a festival virtually. Mm. So I think that um, in a way, we all have a lot of performers and other organizations that put together um, festivals of this nature have also learned uh, a lot over the last year. But the, the advantage of being able to reach larger numbers of, of, um, of the community is, is, um, is, has been a really wonderful thing. And as Ophira said, you know, we, we reach out a lot to the deaf and disability community and a lot of, of folks in our community don't um, always have the ability to, um, to join us, whether because of um, access barriers or um, for, for all sorts of other reasons. So I think having, um, having the festival online uh, helps us reach uh, audiences in and outside of the disability community um, all around the country and uh, outside of the country as well. And um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's been something really, it's been something really great. And it's been something to really think about moving forward, not just for our festival, but I think all, all film festivals mm. uh, see some potential here. All right. I thought it was very interesting what Ophira said about that taking it online uh, really makes it, easier for her because she has to get around in a wheelchair. So this makes things much more accessible to her. Uh, in terms of this film festival and uh, the fact that you are dealing with uh, the disabled and, and those those people that you're trying to bring into this, aside from, say, closed caption and other things we might be familiar with, what are, are there any things you're doing that separates this or, or will, is trying to make it more accessible that we might not know about? Um. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, whether it's uh, in person or, or virtually, um, one of the mo more important features of, of films is to be able to read, is to be able to provide things like audio description. So mm. this is the first year that Real Abilities is um, has been able to to ha make audio description available for uh, mm. all of the films that we're showing, and this is important in that it's helping us reach a lot of people in the blind and low vision communities that are overwhelmingly left out. Um, from from film festivals, uh, from participating and from being able to um, to to get involved, um, as well with our live events, we we provide live captioning and ASL interpretation because once again, um, a lot of these kinds of Q and A events that happen um, uh, during festivals and these important discussions that take place uh, can be quite exclusive to um, to the deaf community. Mm. So having these kinds of features. Um, are, are really important for us in our festival. I think it's not just about representing people with disabilities on screen. It's mm. about making sure that, you know, um, the festival itself is accessible to all folks. Yeah. Um, and uh, to, to make sure that these features are in place, that they're available um, for, for all of our audiences and, and for the greater community. 
You know, the, as you were talking there, and as I think about this more, I think about the different kinds of uh, necessary ways that people with disabilities need to access that communication. Um, you know, as you were as you were talking, I was thinking about, for instance, signing, but also people that read lips and uh, and those kind of things. Uh, you know, until you start to think about this, you don't think about the challenges or how you might be able to bring those uh, those challenges in that can then be represented and help people on uh, on the other side that are watching and participating. Yes, exactly. And and we want to set an example also as a festival. Uh, we know that um, by setting this example, we would we want to be able to encourage other festivals to implement these features um, and be more inclusive to the community because you know the disability community is is eager just as any other community to uh, participate in in culture and mm. in in these important conversations that we have collectively so I think uh, really um, really making it uh, apparent that it's possible and um, it's necessary for for us to um, to put together festivals in a way that is inclusive of everyone. And and speaking of inclusive for everyone, the other thing we haven't touched on about this is that you also have an educational element to this, correct? Yes, we do. So real education is free programming uh, for uh, students and educators from K to 12. And uh, once again, we, we pair films and... Um, we pair films with uh, really interesting interactive workshops mm. that are put together by our education coordinator, Shira. And uh, real education is really one portion of the festival where we have seen how amazing uh, this opportunity of being virtual is. Because we, if, if in the past we would be able to get, you know, two or three classrooms in an auditorium participating, now we are getting, you know, more than 50 classrooms signing up for um, for the events that are being held. And this is a moment where we all know that, you know, teachers are, teachers are overwhelmed and students are also eager to access, um, you know, interesting content. So I think um, it, it's been a really wonderful thing and, and it's free and it's available um, to, to all educators, both in classrooms, but also homeschoolers as well. Mm. Nice. The the closing night. Yeah, I'm happy to share more information about it. So the Youth Shorts program was put together this year um, based on this observation from our jury that a lot of the films we had made were not only um, about uh, the subject of, of sort of young, young folks with disabilities, but um, we had a lot of younger disabled filmmakers that had submitted these really wonderful films with these really refreshing takes on uh, what it means to have a disability and that tackle questions like uh, disability and uh, dating and disclosure mm -hmm. and what disclosure also means in, in medical settings, in professional settings and um, how we sort of navigate our lives. And so we really wanted to wrap up the festival on, on a high note, celebrating this kind of new generation of filmmakers that are, that are coming out, um, Ophira included, and uh, whose work we're really excited to see in the future as well. And then to put together this um, just relaxed conversation with them uh, to talk about their creative process and also just to, to build community as, as we always like to do at our festival. Mm. And then you're not even finished once that wraps up because you're going to have an, a community, an online community after party as well. Yes, exactly. We, we, we decided something interesting this year, which was to kind of blend the filmmaker Q&A with a community after party. So uh, we're really excited to, to sort of see how, that, how that'll look. 
and um, to just, yeah, have, have folks join us and have fun and, um, you know, take their mind off um, what's been a really difficult year for all of us. Right, right. Absolutely. Sounds wonderful. Congratulations to both of you. All the best with the festival this year, the Real Abilities Film Festival, the sixth annual. It runs from May 18th until the 31st. And online screenings are going to be through uh, event uh, Eventive. And uh, and you can, you can, I guess, people can get tickets through there. And it's pay what you can, I see. Yes, it is. And uh, all other events are going to be through Zoom, and we're very familiar with that here at Element FM, which is what I'm using for this uh, conversation today as well. I want to thank both Linda and Ophira for taking the time to join us on the show and talk to us about the Real Abilities Film Festival, as I said, taking place from May 18th to the 31st. Ophira Akaloff is the comedy coordinator for this year's Real Abilities Film Festival, and Linda Luarowski is the festival coordinator. It's been such a pleasure to have them both on the show and talk to you both. Congratulations, and thanks once again for participating, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. All right, you guys take care and have a great festival. Thanks. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. And that is your show for today here on Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Make sure to tune in to our show tomorrow for more exciting interviews right here on Moment of Truth and Element FM. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.